With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McLean on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hello and welcome to State of the Nation. I am Steve Hook broadcasting live from uh, the Central Jersey Shore. And there's my man, Brian Hesher McLean. Hesh is in uh, Central Texas. Hello, Hesher. Back to the salt mines, brother. Good to see you. Belated Merry Christmas and all that. Yeah, definitely. Likewise, I hope you had a great one. Hope you had a great one out there well as well uh, with friends yeah. and family. Hopefully enjoyed the uh, the holidays. And yeah, back to the salt mines. At least we aren't in the lithium mines. Yeah, yeah, right. No kidding. Uh, yeah, but it's good. We, now we, we're going to be back for two days and then we'll be off through the new year and then we'll be back next year. But it's weird the way that works, but uh, but that's cool. I'm glad to be back with you. It's great to see you, my man. And uh, even though we took some time off, doesn't mean that the uh, the news stopped pumping. And uh, you've probably heard about this now, Hesh, the largest caravan ever, it looks like, or damn near, is uh, is heading our way. The never-ending federal invitational invasion continues. Nearly 8,000 strong. Some are now putting that number at closer to 10,000 strong. Is heading up through South Mexico. Reading this from Fox News, the caravan estimated to include 8,000 immigrants and more uh, comes as U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and a senior and senior U.S. delegation uh, are meeting with Mexican officials, and they're going to do nothing, uh, including President uh, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, and they're going to discuss the. Now, this is get this: the current uh, immigrant surge at the U.S.-Mexican border. But here's what Blinken says: He said the U.S.-Mexico partnership is crucial to prosperity and security in our countries and throughout the Americans, uh, throughout the Americas. Good to discuss these issues uh, and our shared v- efforts to reduce irregular migration uh today in mexico city irregular that's what they're calling it now irregular. the invasion yeah it's irregular. irregular migration now that's what that's what they're calling the invasion the white house is down <laughs> the white house has downplayed the record high levels of immigration by describing current figures as many as 10,000 migrants arrested uh well arrested daily they're not really arrested though are they but no, ten thousand daily it's a, processed is a better word. That's I'm just reading what the story says. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, as many as ten thousand migrants arrested daily, processed uh, at the southwest U.S. border this month. Um, as as, but the White House is calling it simply a season a seasonal surge. To put this number in perspective, Hesh, two hundred forty two thousand four hundred eighteen migrant encounters at the southern border just in the month of November the highest November on record, the third highest month in the history of keeping records on the southern border. And then here's what KJP, the worst press secretary, but perhaps the best liar we've ever seen in this job. She said, we're seeing what we're seeing here at the border, the increased migration flow, certainly it ebbs and flows. And we're at a time of the year where we're seeing more at the border and it's not unusual this is an immigration system that is broken for been broken for decades, and the president has taken it this very seriously to try and do more. 
That's why we have the comprehensive immigration policy legislation that the president put forth on day one. Now, if you really want to hear what she's saying there, we don't see a problem. We're not going to secure the border until we get citizenship and voting rights for all of these migrants that are already currently here. And, of course, probably the 10,000 that are on their way here. Uh, What do you think about this, uh, Hesh? I need not ask you, but I'm curious. Well, Steve, I've been off the microphone for a couple of days, so forgive me while I try to find the lid to the swear jar here, because that's really difficult to respond to without copious F-bombs and um, other expletives. But I will do my best here. Um, Irregular? Irregular. Is this now what we call an invasion that is destroying the country and leading to 100,000 dead Americans annually? irregular it, yeah it's a little irregular to have caravans run by terrorists that some people like to call cartels because it just i don't know it sounds a little more breaking bad a little more hollywood a little more ooh, there's some sex appeal to it but no it's a terrorist group and they appear to be working with our government so for blinken biden uh, and and the rest of the you know four horsemen of the apocalypse of america uh, yeah, don't care what they're doing or saying. And KGP, the best worst liar there is. I like that, Steve. I like that. Now, this is awful. I've seen the video of the caravan. I don't want it. I mean, could you imagine? Just imagine yourself out in town, right? Say you're getting lunch with uh, your parents or something. And all of a sudden, 10,000 people just drop in the Walmart parking lot. That's yeah. what this is like every week in multiple towns here. It's getting so bad, it's getting so bad, and it's getting so bad in not just in Texas, not just in Arizona, not just in California, these border states. It's getting bad everywhere. Mayor uh, Mayor Eric Adams in New York City is now threatening to uh, 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 basically impound any buses coming from out of state that are transporting illegal immigrants. This is the same Eric Adams that insists New York is the most virtuous state in the nation. And of course, New York City is the kindest uh, city in the nation because we are an open door city. We welcome one and all. It's we're all about inclusivity. We're all about, uh, you know, this uh, this this welcoming spirit that is now being shunned because, well, when you start making sanctuary statements like that, uh, you're going to expect sanctuary results. It's 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 just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. That's why I call it, man. I tell you, Hesher, it's the it's the federal invitational invasion, and it continues. Yeah. Almost sounds like a sporting event, doesn't it? It's a great title. We got to run with it. We're going to need some background music and some flair with it. But I like it, Steve. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I have a I have a funny feeling we're going to be talking about this more as the show goes on. Hey, why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all the major social platforms, including Facebook, of course, Twitter, or now X, Instagram, Gab and Getter. Help us get the word out about the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk TNT Radio. The facts, no spin or agenda. Not enough with the lies. We need the facts. This is today's News Talk Radio TNT. Okay, well, let's bring our buddy Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus, into the party here. Thousands of Pizza Hut workers are facing layoffs for the new year, a result of the new law increasing the fast food minimum wage in California. Shockingly, it's California again. It goes into effect in April, uh, and Pizza Hut's going to be laying a bunch of people off. Huh, Ruckus, here with the story, TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark. Ruckus, uh, what, what's what's going on here in Cali, man? 
Well, it's, uh, I know it sounds counterproductive, especially to people who just listen to their politicians and believe everything they say. Uh, but yeah, jacking up the, the minimum wage uh, by a significant amount does not ultimately help the employees. Uh, sometimes in this instance, it will cost them their jobs. That's right. Uh, so in this case, Pizza Hut, they're intending setting. Um, it looks like they're going to lay off at least, uh, well, actually more than 1,200 delivery drivers. Uh, that's the targeted class here uh, in Los Angeles, Orange and Riverside counties in the coming year. This is ahead of a new state law that boosts the fast food minimum wage, bumps it up by a $4 per hour uh amount up to a total of $20 per hour is what the new rate will be. Uh, the law known as AB Assembly Bill 1228 was introduced by Assemblyman Chris Holden, a Democrat from Pasadena, and signed into law in September by none other than Governor Gruesome Gavin Newsom. A Business Insider reported on Tuesday that the layoffs are planned through the end of February ahead of the pay increase to $20 an hour, which is slated to begin in April. According to Business Insider, who was first to report on Pizza Hut's planned actions, Pack Pizza LLC, operating as Pizza Hut, filed a warning, no, a, a WARN Act notice, that's W-A-R-N, that is Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification. Um, they filed this with the state's Employment Development Department that it will follow through with its decision to eliminate first-party delivery services. Oh, so that's a win for like the Uber Eats and stuff. Uh, yeah, the WARN Act requires employees to give notice of mass layoffs or plant closures. So at least they were warned. <laughs> All puns intended. A second Pizza Hut franchise, Southern California Pizza Co., is also planning to lay off 841 drivers. Drivers. The layoffs will impact drivers in Pizza Hut locations in Sacramento, Palm Springs, Los Angeles, Central California, Southern Oregon, and Reno Tahoe area, among others. Pizza Hut franchises are preparing to pivot toward third-party apps like DoorDash, Grubhub, and Uber Eats for pizza and food deliveries. Yum! Exclamation point brands, which owns Pizza Hut and other fast food companies, including Taco Bell and KFC, did not immediately respond to a request for a comment, in this case from the Epoch Times. Yum! Exclamation point brands previously told Business Insider that, quote, its franchisees independently own and operate their restaurants in accordance with local market dynamics and comply with all federal, state, and local regulations while continuing to provide quality service and food to our customers via carryout and delivery, end quote. I bet you they used artificial intelligence to write that statement. It was previously reported that other food chains, such as Chipotle and McDonald's, said they planned to raise menu prices as a way to offset the costs of higher wages in California. Uh, following the law's passing, Mr. Holden, in a statement, said the pay increase will <laughs> help workers feed their children, keep gas in their vehicles, and improve the quality of life for many. But I guess Mr. Holden failed to uh, say that whether or not they would be able to keep their jobs. Gentlemen, what do you think about this story? <laughs> I just, All right. That's, a, that's insane. First off, uh, I would like to make a comment about the mainstream media in California. I watched the the mass media. I think it was CBS. Not 100% sure, but I believe it was CBS. 
and they were talking about this and they didn't mention any the way that you just reported that ruckus you you talked about the facts and then you talked about how it's affecting people uh which is what a journalist should do they did not do that in the reports i saw coming out of california it was all cheerleading it was like this is the greatest thing and they end with that same thing it's going to help workers feed their children uh, no, it isn't because Mickey D's just raised the price. Okay, so if they're already in that bracket of not having the uh, the funds to feed their children or finding stress in that, then look what happens. You just, if you're one of those Pizza Hut drivers, you just lost your job. So forget about feeding your children. And if you and and if you didn't lose your job and you can still feed your children and you're feeding them from Mickey D's, well, guess what? The savings did not trickle down, did it? Yeah, it's um, you know, it's it, it's no secret that these people on the on the hard left despise capitalism, they despise the free market, and uh, they also don't understand it. Uh, and th and this is, I mean, here you got two scenarios playing out here. McDonald's is going to take the we're going to raise our prices route, which is going to affect their customer base, especially most people that eat at McDonald's are probably on a limited budget anyway. It's not like you see folks like you know. Uh, Bill Gates and uh, Elon Musk swinging in for a, a McFlurry and a, and a quarter pounder with cheese. These are people kind of on the margins of society. Their 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 budget's going to be wrecked because of it. Pizza Hut's going the opposite direction. We're not going to raise our prices. We're just going to blow out the the employees. We're we're just going to fire a bunch of people. And of course, the thing is, is the way the politicians will play this, guys, and you know this, is they're going to say, "Look at these greedy corporate sobs." at yum exclamation point look what they are doing how greedy and that's exactly and these fools that vote for these people will swallow that line every time without actually taking a good look at how economics 101 works which is no longer being taught in public schools and god knows it's not being taught in universities and colleges across the fruited plain anymore it's a disgusting story and i would say only in california but i suspect it'll be coming to a state near us before long Hopefully more states reject this nonsense uh, than accept it. It's I'm with you on the swearing jar bit, Hash. I, I could go off on this. This is just so ridiculously stupid. Yeah, but and it's going to lead to more of this third-party app stuff. Like all our food's going to be coming cold now. Like you don't go, you don't order McDonald's for it to get delivered to you. You know, lukewarm eleven stops later. So you know the fact that all these things are going that direction not a good sign either. Uh, Ruckus, anything further? Wouldn't it be fun if everybody could just play stupid and blind and just go along with this fantastic fantasy idea that if we just all agree that this is going to make everything better, maybe it'll actually make things better. Who knows? Maybe there's power in positive thinking. But yeah, economics, reality, facts. I, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, California. I think you're it. SOL is the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Oh, boy. Well, there you go. And so are a whole bunch of Pizza Hut employees, apparently. Right. Yeah. You can just hear the, the sucking sound, right? That vortex uh, sucking in all the common sense and uh, ejecting it out of California as more and more people move away. Absolutely amazing. All right. Thanks, Ruckus. Thanks, thanks for joining Ruckus. us here. We'll see you in the next hour right here at State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT Radio.
TNT Radio's Kate Shimarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP, always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium glutamate. And, and I, if I, I I can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food. There's nothing to eat in there. I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places. And if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food. The rest, it's not food. And I see what people buy. I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them, don't get all excited, but I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying and it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like and your teenagers' brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age. Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14, and I watched her struggle. But MDA helped her get the best treatments and care, and they also help kids like my buddy Ethan. My name is Ethan, and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've treated me like family at my local care center. MDA is the only one that funds over 150 care centers across the U.S. to help provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me. For over 70 years, MDA has been transforming the lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures. And MDA provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. Join us and learn more at MDA.org today. If you're still wearing a cloth or a surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Yeah. Welcome back to State of the Nation. So, uh, Steve, you know, that that whole thing with the uh, the migrants coming this way is is really freaky. You know, we I'm glad the video is finally getting out there, though. That's one thing I will say. I've seen that thing going wild on social media. So I'm glad to know that that is uh, is finally getting some airplay here. And I think our next guest is ready to join us, Steve. Uh, we're going to be talking with Keith McHenry. Uh, we're very happy to welcome Keith to the show uh, for the first time right here at State of the Nation. Keith is the co-founder of Food Not Bombs. He's also the author of The Anarchist Cookbook. Uh, Keith, it's great to see you. I was watching you on the Misty Winston show recently here on today's News Talk and very much enjoyed uh, your discussion and your background. You're in Santa Cruz, California, is that correct? Yep, I'm in Santa Cruz, California, where we're having flood alerts, allegedly, but I don't haven't seen that yet. But we woke to a loud alarm this morning. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, definitely some uh, Arctic River stuff coming your way this winter. Uh, I hope you had a great holiday. And of course, food, foodnotbombs.net is the website. You're definitely going to want to check out the website. So Keith, how did the holidays treat you and uh, how's it going with food, not bombs right now? Oh, it was beautiful. So what happened is that uh, the city and uh, the other institutions in Santa Cruz could not do the community meal for Christmas. So food, not bombs did it. 
and it was a blast. We did it outside at uh, what we, the town clock in the center of town. Friends of mine I hadn't seen in years came, as well as the people living on the streets in Santa Cruz. We gave out a huge amount of tents and blankets. In fact, as I arrived, when I arrived in a Santa costume, um, I got out of the car and I was inundated by media. And by the time I was done doing a few interviews, everything I brought was gone. And I had filled my car completely to the roof with tents and sleeping bags and tarps and everything. It was pretty amazing. And oh, I'd say about 400 people came to eat. And it was like sunny all day. It wasn't that cold. Didn't rain. So we were like, it was uh, beautiful. And we had relatively, considering how much food we were trying to make and how we're opening a new Food on Bombs kitchen that day, almost no uh, um, crises, uh, which is very unusual. But we had we were out on the street every day for three years on the pandemic. And so we have a very tight team. And even though the government tried to shut us down repeatedly, we just kept ignoring them and moving out of their way. And uh, But we were the only food for unhoused people and poor people um, in Santa Cruz, only water for many people, um, mm. and certainly the only reliable warm hand-washing station and you know, for unhoused people. So it was beautiful. That's what I did for Christmas. For I prepared for that for five days, and then I did it. <laughs> Well, good for you. Uh, Keith, welcome welcome to the show. Steve Hook here. You said something there that was a little curious. You said the government's trying to stop us. um, And that's, uh, you know, that just kind of sounds odd, given the fact that the government is kind of creating this problem. I mean, you're obviously a good guy that's going out trying to do a good thing and, uh, you know, and and help people out that are down on their luck. Um, But these numbers are growing in these cities homeless people the the numbers the encampments are growing uh it's becoming a real problem is the reason they're trying to stop you is because they do they surely they don't look at these poor people and think this is like feral cats you give them food they're just going to come back for more why would they try and stop you well i think it is like that feral cat idea so the city governments want to stop us because one, and, and if it's an interesting thing, it's only liberal cities that try to stop us. Um, and so like, so West Palm Beach right now, they're trying to stop us. They're trying to stop us in Houston. And, um, and then in San Francisco, where they first arrested us, um, I did 500 days in jail, faced 25 to life in prison. I was tortured three times by the San Francisco police, I believe, although I have to say it was a dark room where they ripped my clothes off, lifted me my, my arms and legs, ripped my tendons and stuck me in a stress position cage. Only th- way I would know that it's m- likely to be the San Francisco police is then they threw me into the street afterwards it was in front of the police headquarters. So, um, but it could have been FBI, it could have been CIA. You know, we certainly have had. So on uh, the first arrest was August 15th, 1988, where nine of us were arrested. I was the first one arrested for serving food, even though technically speaking that day, I just walked out of a hospital after having an operation for a ruptured appendix. But, you know, I was the, the, the ringleader, so to speak. And then the next week, uh, 24 of us were arrested and FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force came to that meal and filed a uh, report to the FBI's field office in San Francisco saying that we were a credible national security threat. 
And at that point, there's 30 Food Not Bombs volunteers in the world, 10 in Boston, 10 in Long Beach, and 10 in San Francisco. And that Thanksgiving, the uh, National Guard armies across America had a domestic terrorism workshop. And Food Not Bombs was the subject of that workshop. And we know that because um, our volunteers coming back to San Francisco would be approached by National Guard people in uniform at the airports and they'd see our Food Not Bombs button and they'd go, oh, wow, we just studied them in domestic terrorism school. That's America's most hardcore terrorist group. So that is Thanksgiving of 88 before terrorism was like a cool hip thing to be accused of. And then um, and then in uh, 10 years later, about or in, in April of 2009, the um, on C-SPAN, I happened to watch twice a um, State Department official talk about the dangers of the people serving vegan meals in the park versus al-Qaeda, who's more dangerous. And there, uh, and if I hadn't have seen the, in, the, the lecture twice from Tufts University, I would have thought I was hallucinating, but I saw it a second time. I first thought after I spoke in, at Princeton, and then I spoke at Harvard Law, I went to my dad's place, saw, turned it on the TV, and it was right at the same place. And they're like saying, well, the thing is, the food not bombs. Well, they called us vegan, serving vegan meals in the in the parks. They didn't say our name, but that we were more dangerous than Al Qaeda because we could influence the American public to start demanding that our money be spent on uh, healthcare, education, and other social services instead of on war. And therefore, there wouldn't be enough money in the defense budget, which now is the largest it's ever been, to fight Al Qaeda. But they also said that we would last another 30 years, so that's like April 2009, and that Al-Qaeda would be over way before that, within 20 years. And the problem was that we were indigenous to our communities, we were friendly people handing out tasty food and, and making relationships with local people that could ultimately, and it's a shame it hasn't happened yet, uh, influence the American public to demand our resources be used here in the United States for us um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the homeless problem, according to HUD, which is an undercount always, they um, claim that the homelessness increased in the last 12 months by 70,000 people or 12 percent. And we know because I've done the point in time count for years myself, which is what they're basing it on, that it's like a way undercount. And so if they're saying 70,000 more people became homeless in the United States in the last 12 months, then, uh, you know, in addition to the already tens of thousands that were homeless a mm. year before, it's probably a million people ultimately living outside the United States. Many are veterans who fought in the last, like, bungled wars that the U.S., you know, fell into intentionally, like weapons of mass destruction lie in Iraq and the oh, uh, ben, you know, Ben Laden is in a cave in Afghanistan, so let's fight them for 20 years. And I'm sure we all know people who were in those conflicts. And, and you know, we were, were we really fighting for democracy or some bigger thing about America? And I've, I've never met an, a, a vet from either of those two wars who thought that was the greatest thing that they should have ever done and that they were doing good in the world. And, and that's, you know, that's like... Tens of thousands of Americans who risked their lives, saw their friends die for just for corporate profit, basically.
Um, yeah, and, and we're and we're losing what twenty to thirty of those a day to suicide right now, which I think just much like the homeless numbers is probably a underestimated number that uh, you know if we knew the true numbers would probably be even more shocking. Mm -hmm. um, Keith, hold the line. We have a TNT headline inbound here, and when we come back, I want to pick your brain a little bit more about this idea of what could happen if Americans actually, you know, why they consider Food Not Bombs to be a terrorist organization when in essence, what you're saying here is that that community that that is is would and does build around things like Food Not Bombs is actually something that elements of the government would consider terroristic. We'll pick up right there after this headline with today's news talk, TNT Radio. Great news. Good news, everyone. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Former Attorney General Bill Barr has voiced his opinion that the U.S. Supreme Court should overturn a decision made by the Colorado Supreme Court, which disqualifies former President Donald Trump from appearing on Colorado state ballot. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov has criticized Western nations for fostering global instability and conflicts to further their own interests. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Oh, dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. Keith McHenry is our guest. Foodnotbombs.net is the website. Now, Keith, what do you think about this? Why is this such a problem to the government? Communities looking out for each other, that seems pretty, you know, darn American, Americana to me. Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. One, you know, we, we admit, I think that it's because we're autonomous to the state and we serve when and where we think is best and we provide resources to people in the manner that we um, believe is the best possible way to, to help the community. So from the government's point of view, us being autonomous and independent of them, and they can't tell us when and where to do what, that is part of, I think that's one of the biggest problems for them. So for instance, if they could starve out people in a community, and then they would have to, like say in Gaza that they're trying to do, where they blockaded the food and, and water and everything into the, into the Gaza Strip, then maybe they could starve the homeless into moving to some other town, or into or some kind of a, a, a policy like that but so i think a lot of it is the independence but uh, the other uh, of food not bombs um and then i think the other thing is the message so the first thing that they usually do um you know, and we've had a lot of experience with the fbi interfering with us is that they will lose the banner and the sign so that when you're serving food it doesn't say food not bombs or when they come in to arrest you the first thing they take is the signs and the banner um, the literature. So it's the message that we could, that freaks them out so much and the fact that we're independent. Now, the other thing is why is it liberal cities instead of Republican run cities? So like a, like Buddy Dyer and them in, in, in Orlando or the liberal, uh, Democrats in in uh, you know, Fort Lauderdale, they are, the Democrats paint themselves as the people helping the poor and the working class people, right? That's their like mythology. So if you show up with a lot of food every week or every day and all hundreds of people show up and eat, 
Well, that destroys the myth that these people are actually caring for their local community. And I think that so it's this tension like that between the federal government and the uh, CIA, FBI, Interpol and all that that have been very active in suppressing food, not bombs and local city politicians that are that are embarrassed that they get all this money, like, say, in Santa Cruz, we received 14 million dollars to help the homeless in the last 12 months. Um, The uh, uh, 122 homeless people died on the streets. Um, the uh, they don't have the shelters have been full for d- a decade or more. Um, where does all that money go? Well, it goes to homeless sweeps. It goes to uh, salaries of of uh, administrators that run things. And then the local public goes, well, how come there's like thousands of people living outside when we're you're getting all this tax money to help people and and it and it never changes. So that's part of the reason I think they really just dis, dislike us. And we've been under like not only what did I do 500 days in San Francisco and get tortured three times, but and face 25 to life in prison, but they use violence against us. They um they use violence against food up bombs in other cities. Um, and as well as right now they're on this campaign where they've written 80 tickets for food not bombs in Houston because we're sharing food outside the library where many homeless people go and they want us to go to an industrial area under a freeway next to a police precinct in behind barbed wire fence so that no one would walk by and see food not bombs talking about how we should divert our resources to human needs instead of to this what we're now looking at as a potential world war three and uh and you know uh, at a drop of the hat, they'll send like $118 billion to someplace or, you know, millions of dollars just went to Ukraine again, even though that war is like tragically being, you know, lost and a half million people have perished or been maimed just on the Ukrainian side. They're now like killing off battalions of women there. Um, then you've got like, you know, the IDF is being like totally wiped out in Gaza. Um contrary to what they thought would be happening. And at the main, same time, we're sending, I think it's now 125 uh, plane loads of bombs to drop on Gaza. And, uh, you know, it's just, a, it, we so all of a sudden, uh, you can always have money for all that kind of stuff. But, you know, here we're about to be flooded out and it's illegal for a homeless person to go into the empty parking garages in Santa Cruz and, and get out of the rain. And if because there's a law that if you're in the parking garage longer than 15 minutes, it's a misdemeanor. I got arrested last winter during that. We have what are called atmospheric rivers where the water is actually like you're standing in an actual river with winds of like 50 miles an hour and trying to serve food in that kind of uh, weather is insanity. Mm -hmm. And to expect homeless people to get out from wherever they are to come eat is crazy so we set up and we 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 even did a christmas meal two years ago in a parking garage downtown and the city manager was like no that's not happening you do it again we're going to arrest you you get to serve food in torrential rains while wow, these poor wow, people are my... already soaking wet wow. it, it, you know I, I gotta say keep this thing it it, it sounds and I know it, it sounds nuts because it is nuts, but it also sounds in, insanely counterintuitive because you you mentioned, you've pointed out a couple times now, this is mostly liberal cities where you're getting this kind of grief, 
from city officials. Uh, and uh, and you mentioned a couple of three-letter agencies perhaps even involved in this stuff. But these are the same, same exact politicians that are encouraging more and more of this homelessness. We just mentioned before you came on, there's a uh, caravan of upwards of 10,000 people now heading for our southern border. A lot of those folks are going to end up on the streets in a city or state near you. Uh, and, and, and then they're saying, well, you can't help them once they get here. I don't, I don't understand their reasoning or their rationale other than just creating absolute chaos. Yeah. It does appear that the point of this is to really bring down the American society. So there's this massive, uh, you know, crisis happening because the, you know, the, you know, you know, if you're on Twitter and you end up, I'm not even signed up for biden or white house or any of these democrats or any you know any politicians on my twitter feed and it's just nothing about how it's the greatest economy in the world and we're all doing great and everything's going wonderful and we're winning every war and it's just a wonderful thing so so i think it's like a psychological warfare against the public so you're getting gaslit by politicians on tv and in social media while we know that you know, I, I answer the phone all day long from seniors who have been given my phone number from Aetna and from United Health Insurance um, to looking for food because all these insurance companies and the owners of them are multi, in some case, billionaires. They, instead of giving food to these pe- seniors or having a system, they have called me and I have to tell them every, you know, maybe sometimes as many as 20 times a day. You've got to call 211 because we, unless you're homeless in the city where we're serving and we're active in like nearly 2000 cities now in over 65 countries, we're not there to help seniors that live at home that can't get out of their house. It's just not what we do. And so I hear these tragic stories all day long of people with two cans of tuna fish in their house or, you know, one poor woman and, and, and they're all from rural America all over the country. Um, you know, know, today I was able to help a person in Houston because they called from Houston and they live there and I could hook them up with Houston food, not bonds. But a lot of times, you know, it's like a town of 5,000 people in, you know, rural Texas that, and, 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 you know, they're disabled, they fought in the war, they can't travel Mm. to the nearest food bank. They need a home delivery. And if I'm getting 20 calls a day for like now, like five months, that's a bad sign that America is not really that healthy financially. So the, so, you know, it, it, it's tragic. So I, I agree. I think that there, we've been actually feeding people on the border ourselves. We have groups in like on the Rio Grande Valley. We have, um, we have groups in Tijuana. Um, and then we've been helping a kitchen, um, on the outside of Calexico in, in, in Mexico. And the, thing that our volunteers are saying is it's largely um, they're running into engineers and lawyers and uh, <laughs> people like that coming through the border. And it's incredible. And um, yeah, yeah and, and, it, and they're just allowed to walk across the, the border. There's nobody, you know, the, the, you know, border and customs helps them enter or border patrol. And then they got some buses and they take them off to someplace. And then they just join the rest of the people, uh, you know, that are living in poverty in America. And yeah. uh, I'm sure for them, it's better than it was wherever war they're fleeing, you know, but it's, you know, yeah, it's crazy. If we just 
didn't undermine all the other countries on earth. I mean, look at the, you know, we killed Gaddafi and Hillary Clinton laughs about that. And then now Europe is getting like, you know, thousands and thousands of people fleeing through, you know, Libya, trying to, you know, the U.S. coups in Sudan. So there's a massive war there. And so those people are leaving and, you know, yeah. the, the U.S. is uh, is attacking, you know, and our country, um, it's basically we're run by a small number of ruling elite um, people associated with Raytheon and, and, you know, General Dynamics and all that. And uh, the every policy is for the purpose of, of making those people richer and, yep. you know, the heck with the people in the in the country. And maybe the I fear because like I was just watching like a face a nation and this woman, Kathleen, I forget her last name now. She was talking about, oh, there's going to be a black swan event this year. She's like used to be a Fox TV. Catherine, Catherine Herridge. I saw it. Herridge. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you're just going, my God, they're predicting this. And yeah. the world Keith, it's insane. Sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt you there, Keith. We're just about out of time here. I know where you're about to head. You're going to have to bring Schwab into this. And and you're right. This all feels like a massive gaslight, like a massive intentional implosion of our culture, of our understanding of our media, our understanding of each other, our understanding of what our country is supposed to be. And nothing illustrates that more than the way you and your colleagues have been treated. Who'd have thunk that it would be such dangerous work trying mm. to feed people in America? Foodnotbombs.net is the website. Keith, uh, take us out um, and give us anywhere that people can help because this event in Houston has really got some people saying, hey, wait a minute, what's going on in my country? How can people help out if they want? Yeah, well, you can go to food.bomb.net and donate. Um, we just sent a bunch of money to our groups in the Philippines who are struggling with the poverty that's happening there. But also, we can, uh, do, if you want us to send that money to Houston, we can do that. But the main thing is we need more volunteers, more people coming, either starting local Food Not Bombs chapters. And at that website, it gives you the directions on how to start a local Food Not Bombs group or to volunteer with your local group. Because that's really the main thing is this people power working together to change society. And we need as many food up bombs, volunteers and chapters in the world as possible in the face of the brutality that our government is, is waging on both us domestically and on the world. All right. Well Here. said. Thank you for your work, Keith. Big fan. Foodnotbombs.net, once again, is where you go to get involved. We'll have you back on for an update real soon. Have a great New Year, Keith. Stay safe out there and keep up the great work. This is State of the yeah. Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Two new internationally peer-reviewed studies published in major scientific journals have documented misleading northern hemisphere temperature data and attribution analysis indicating inadequate considerations of the urban heat island influence on climate records and dominant influences of the sun and producing warming and cooling phases. Published in August in the journal Climate, the first of these studies concludes that the global warming influences on people could be mostly an urban problem associated with a well-known urban heat island phenomenon by where structures, including paved services and concrete buildings, absorb heat during the day and release it at night but of course much more slowly. Although urban areas account for less than 4% of the global land surface, they contain many of the weather stations where temperatures are collected, 
which substantially skew the bigger picture. Whereas the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change estimates that UHI accounts for less than 10% of the global warming, the new study suggests that urban warming might account for up to 40% of the recorded change since 1850. Now you combine that with some of the other things that the IPCC conveniently seems to ignore, like underwater heating that's going on, and what do you get? You get a good reason to be very, very skeptical on what you're being told about the climate. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Last week, Brandon met a girl on a dating app. One day after work, he finally found the courage to ask her out. No answer. He started to panic. Was he being too pushy? Maybe it was too... Hey, sorry I didn't respond. I was driving. I would love to go on a date. How does tonight sound? Brandon tried to play it cool, but inside he knew. A girl so smart, so responsible. She must be a keeper. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McLean on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, we are back with State of the Nation. Now about two years removed now from the COVID lockdowns and the forced vaccines, some ugly truths have started to emerge, uh, not just uh, about the uh, the actual lockdowns and the vaccine themselves, but also about people's health, their long-term effects, and of course the cover-ups and the corruption that have gone along with all of this. We've been following it closely on State of the Nation, and we're very happy to welcome to the program Rochelle Voth. Uh, Rochelle uh, is uh, first time on the show. She's a physician's assistant out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, she's very well versed in this. Rochelle, hello. Welcome to State of the Nation. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. And Merry belated Christmas to you, Steve and Brian. I hope you enjoyed it with your families like all the rest of us. Thank you. Merry yeah. Christmas. Yeah, back right at you. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, because when we talk about COVID and every time uh, Brian and I discuss this, we both just get heated about it because <laughs> it seems like it was such a scam on so many levels. And it, it, it was one of those things that uh, not only was the uh, virus not nearly, I mean, it was dangerous to people with the comorbidities, which is a word that we all learned over the last three years. Sure. Um, so we know it was dangerous in, in certain instances. But what we've learned since then is that it, it seems like it was a big power, power grab for the government. It was also a big money grab for big pharma. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were BS about a lot of this stuff. And then people suffered, myself included, uh, yeah. some really nasty side effects from these vaccines. Are there any positives that we can now, looking back, say, well, at least the people that had these instances, they're getting better? Or is there anything at all to look forward to here with what we've learned thus far? That's a great question. You know, um, the more research that comes out, I unfortunately have not had um, favorable outcomes to those who have gotten particularly the modified RNA shots is what we're talking about here. Um, you know, the data actually suggests that there's continued risk um, over time. Dr. Peter McCullough talks about this very well in one study that shows that there's even possibly a two-year tail risk because they had measured people who, or they've followed, excuse me, persons who had had uh, the vaccine versus persons who had not. Um, and they looked at retinal scans. And what they found in these retinal scans was the persistence 
presence of um, small micro blood clots in their retinal arteries and veins. And that's not normal. And that doesn't just come from anywhere. Those blood clots have to come from something. And they found those blood clots in the vaccinated, but not in the unvaccinated two years out from just shot one, shot two. And so that kind of started giving us a little bit of an alarm that we don't have the all clear signal um, from, you know, persons who have gotten this modified RNA. So to your question, um, are, is there any positive news that's been coming out? I wouldn't say that there's positive news on the research end of, you know, long-term effects, but there is positive news on what we can do to mitigate those um uh, you know, side effects that have happened in certain people from continuing to persist and to put them back to sleep or eradicate them fully. And uh, and what what do we have these days for mitigation? Because you know this has turned sure. into an absolute disaster. Everything they told us was a lie. They said it was safe. They said it was effective, and they said it was necessary. And as it turns out, it's not safe. It does nope. not stop you from right. getting sick. Uh, and therefore not necessary. And the side effects are frightening. The um, adult sudden death in syndrome yeah. thing that did not exist. The whole fact that uh, the flu and the cold were just gone. We had no cases right. while COVID was here. I mean, uh, for me, the silver lining is people see the media and so many um, authoritative sources, um, mm -hmm. including from the medical community, uh, mm -hmm. that they now question and before this no one really questioned their doctors i mean a lot of people did right. don't get me wrong i don't mean yeah. literally no one but okay. most people by and large thought they could trust mm -hmm. their doctors and the medical industry and now we're realizing that the government can get together with big pharma and put together an emergency youth author use authorization and then mm -hmm. apply a whole bunch of propaganda and this is what we get right yeah, the collusion is is quite um, incredible. Uh, it's been really, honestly, as a clinician, it's been very eye-opening because like yourself and the American public, in the beginning, I was working in a hospitalist setting. I was uh, actually treating acute COVID patients who had been treated with the pharmacological recommendations at that time by the Infectious Disease Board, some um, the CDC, and I was vent weaning people after they had received those treatments. And what I saw was not good. And what I saw was either a drug reaction or a failure of treatment or a really bad COVID virus that we still didn't understand. And I said, something doesn't make sense. Um, so to your question about First of all, trust has been fractured with the medical community, right, between the patient and the provider. We absolutely acknowledge that. Um, and what has really evolved, I think, on the practitioner side is a challenge to us to personally do our own research and not just blindly accept what institutions say. Um, and so what's neat about that is that since that journey with my experience in hospitalist medicine, I jumped out and I resigned because I realized that there was a space of medicine and people who weren't being acknowledged with their symptoms, um, either with long haul COVID or injection problems. Um, and I jumped into trying to find those answers, trying to solve those solutions um, or solve those problems, excuse me. And things that we have been doing and have been having success with um, are really far and wide. So we use repurposed pharmacological drugs. Um, you've heard of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. But you might not know about low-dose naltrexone, which is really great for mitigating neurological symptoms like um, headaches and migraines, numbness and tingling of your hands and feet, um, tinnitus or... Um, 
Let me think of other things that are in the wheelhouse of that space. Let's stop there with neurological symptoms. Um, but oxytocin nasal spray for restoring taste and smell. I have recovered in one gentleman who lost his taste and smell for two years. He was vaccinated and had COVID um, and he couldn't smell for two years. And then after two years, wow. within 30 to 60 days, we got his smell back 100%, so much so that he forgot to follow up with me for the third appointment. He said, I thought we were done. Um, and so, you know, there is good hope on the horizon. There just is a challenge to us as practitioners to really do our own uh, sleuthing at this time and age and not to just blindly trust what was, you know, told to us down the turnpike. Um, and I think we're in a, a pendulum swing of that as clinicians and as, um, you know, uh, patients together. But we're in a very um, collaborative space right now that if we can step back, listen, and then try and um, follow our own deductions, I think we'll be better off than just blindly trusting what the CDC or HHS or FDA say. Yeah. And, you know, and, uh, you know, I, to that point, I, it's got to be said that We've had Dr. Kelly Victory on this program quite a few yes. times. We've had Dr. Uh, you mentioned Dr. Peter McCullough. He's been on the program as well. Um, and I think one of the biggest things lost here, be, be, beyond the fact that some people are now going to have probably forever issues with mm -hmm. this damn mRNA vaccine. Mm -hmm. For me personally, it 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 wrecked me for a while. It, it I, I had my liver enzymes were spiking. Yeah, it was really. I'm I'm back to normal now. At least you know, knock on wood. But one of the biggest losses is that trust. Now, maybe mm -hmm. maybe we maybe we should be thankful that, OK, now we can kind of educate ourselves a little bit more. But it is kind of jarring to the yeah. general public to all of a sudden realize these people are sworn to keep me safe. The Hippocratic Oath first at first do no harm. They threw that right out the window to chase the almighty dollar or whatever the hell it was they were chasing right. uh, a power, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And and now we're all. I mean, I, I would hate to be working at the CDC right now, knowing that every time somebody walked by, they looked at me like, oh, you're the you're the CDC. huh? You screwed us. Right. I mean, how do we get that trust back? I mean, yeah. you say you, you got to follow your own stuff. But you had Fauci out there saying, I am the science. I'm the right. science. Listen to me. Yeah. He's yeah. not the science. He should be. A, he should be inmate. Uh, he should have a number on his back. Yeah. As far the as I'm concerned, really should be humility because it's always evolving. Science is always changing. Uh, new research is always coming out. New questions should always be asked. Um, you know, arrogance has no place in medicine. Truly. Um, and so, you know, what we do here at Meehan MD, Dr. Meehan and myself, uh, who I work with, we actually encourage our patients to go and do the research. We actually give them the articles that have been written about the strategies that we use so that they can understand what's happening so they can vet it for themselves. I actually send every patient that I uh, come into contact with either the research article that supports the data of the strategy that we're going for, um, or I send them video links to conversations like this or, you know, providers like Dr. McCullough's Senate testimonies in Arizona or Pennsylvania, so they can listen, so they can absorb, so they can be empowered to go find answers and then come back to the table so we can collaborate together because truly that's what medicine should be. It should be a collaboration. I understand where the whole full trust has been and the pill for every ill because that's a little bit easier to be frank um but really where i think the sweet spot of medicine is is a humble practitioner a collaborative approach with patients and a reassessment always to reconsider alternative options that we've never thought of before
Yeah, I think you just described the scientific method there yes. instead of the <laughs> science. We've really yeah. been screwed right. over by this idea of settled sciences. There's no such thing as a settled science. Science mm -hmm. is about collaborating, coming up with things, reproducing results to yes. you know have a better understanding of nature, of reality, of the human body, of human health. Now, yeah. you know, um, what do you say to someone who's maybe new to this and saying, wait a minute, I need to question my doctor and their doctor is still asking them, would you like a booster? Would you like another bivalent booster? I mean, what do you say to those people as, as the first part <laughs> mm -hmm. of my question in our last yep. minute or so here? And also sure. how important is it to read the inserts on medication mm -hmm. and take them seriously, especially oh. in the potential side effects seg segment? It's very important. And to be honest, I don't think a lot of us doctors or PAs have written those inserts, to be fair. Um, actually, if you pull open the uh, vaccine insert for you know Pfizer, Moderna, it literally says no data. Um, because there really truly isn't long term. Um, so, you know, to the person who's uh, going out to potentially think about that new booster, I will just say this, it was only tested on, I believe it was 21 mice. And I can get you the slides from the FDA if you would like them so you can see that. And so you can give it to your practitioner. Um, you know, Dr. Peter McCullough has that blasted on his site. Um, there is no human data just up front. And I realize that can be difficult because when you question, quote, the authority, which is your medical provider sitting in front of you, um, you have to realize that you need to be on your own advocate. And I would encourage people to truly be their own advocate in this day and age. All right. Excellent. And where can people follow you to keep up with your work? Thank you. Yes, we're at Mehan MD. That's M-E-E-H-A-N. Um, M is a mom, D is in dad dot com. Uh, we're licensed in 35 different states. So we do telehealth medicine, can see a vast array of people. Or 918-600-2240 is our office line for you to get in touch. All right. Rochelle well, Voss, Rochelle, thank yeah, you. Thank you, That's Rochelle. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Wonderful being Absolutely. with you. Absolutely. Yes, we'll, we'll have, have you back. back on. Yeah, we need to keep in touch for sure. That's Rochelle Voth right there. And stick with us. we got more State of the Nation coming up after Top of the Hour Headlines with today's News Talk TNT Radio.